Luba, what was your favorite children's book? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're tackling a thorny issue. I, I don't have one because um, it may sound bizarre, but that's not how most of us grew up. So you, you, you didn't have a, any, any kiddies nursery school rhymes. Um, I ran into, into that when I came to Cape Town um, to a private school. I was in grade seven, and people said to me, do you read that in the, in the fire engine or whatever? And I was like, no. You were like, no. <laughs> you had to come to Cape Town in the mountain to see uh, kids' yeah, literature books. So, so it was interesting because when we had children, and I said to my wife, what have we been bedtime stories? What if you listen to look at me and say, you're crazy? And I said, we have to do it, you know? <laughs> so for me, I think the first experience was really doing it for my own children, buying books and having to read them and put them to bed. That That's not the experience that I grew up with. Uh, normal life, you know, you, you went to bed, you didn't have um, books that you that you read or, or bedtime stories or talking books, no. Okay, well, at least uh, at least you can give uh, your kids an opportunity that you didn't have, so that's uh, that's nice. Absolutely. Uh, so over the weekend, Luba, uh, we had Winnie Mazikzela Mandela uh, being buried, and it broke the South African internet at the very least, uh, and all sorts of South African personalities were involved. What do you make of uh, of of what what we saw going on at the funeral and the general discourse that we've been seeing around Winnie? I think the important thing for me, Benji, is actually what happened before the funeral, because the moment she passed away. And then, you know, the the um, documentary came out and video clips started coming out. It, it was just amazing to see the anger that, that, that people had in uh, how badly she had been treated. And I think the, the thing that's quite bizarre is a lot of that anger is not just directed at the ANC, but to Madiba himself. Um, you know, I think in the past he's, he's got away with being painted as, as really the angel, the guy who's really done well, who, who did well for the country and, and, and all of these issues and, and people understood the failed marriage. And suddenly I'm seeing tremendous anger, especially from women. So the, the, what you're seeing is a, is a, not a woman's lip, but a woman's kind of ground swelling where women are saying, how come a certain things acceptable for men and for women somehow we get viewed uh, with, with disdain, we're criticized and so forth. So there's tremendous anger. And what I'm seeing in, in, in my community is almost a very eager willingness to almost rewrite the Mandela legacy and what people thought of him. You know, I've got some guys who were sharing stories about what they perceived. The funeral itself, I think, was brutal. You know, I must say, I was trying to figure out whether the ANC knew that Tutu was really just going to go completely all out on them. But I think they were caught between a rock and a hard place because from everywhere I've spoken with, you know, they had a very good relationship, Tutu and, and Winnie. So I think on one hand, they couldn't um, silence him and not have him on the program. And, uh, and But then what I've subsequently learned is that they didn't really have control of the program because if you read other news reports, they say the family controlled the program. They didn't even want the ANC to feature on the program. And they only made that concession last minute. But... Um, I would say, look, I, I couldn't unfortunately sit through the whole funeral. My wife and, and, and daughter and our helper managed to listen to it. I would walk in and out. But Juju's speech was incredibly passionate. He had anger. He had a lot of anger within him. And, uh, you know, conclusion, he really climbed into the ANC quite brutally. And, um, and, and I think it's done a lot of reputational damage because you must remember that even when you talk of the struggle, 
you know, if you go back to the 70s and 80s and beyond, there was the ANC, PAC, Black Consciousness, uh, you know, UDF. There were many organizations that were involved in the struggle. But post-94, the ANC's closed down that space and almost rewritten history to say, hey, we were the guys that liberated you. The PAC has been pushed into the, into, 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 into the background and everybody else has been in the background. And I think um, this is what people are fighting against now. And uh, and I think there's some important lessons for the ANC to to, to to own up to, you know, to be more transparent and to readily admit its uh, its shortcomings, something it hasn't done very well in the past. One of the other things that I thought was very interesting, Luba, is even within the ANC, you're starting to get different memories of the organisation itself coming up to the surface. Uh, you know, you, you you tend to divide the ANC into three. You had the exiles. And you had the yep. Robin Islanders, and then you had uh, the UDF, which uh, the United Demo- Democratic Front, which really wasn't an ANC formation, or, or didn't say it was, but it really sort of was the internal organizing arm uh, of of the organization in the eighties. And yep. and and our history has kind of been dominated so far by the Robin Islanders and the Exiles, and it's really only now that we're getting Ramaphosa who was part of the UDF, that, that that internal voice of the ANC is being seen. But they were also very critical uh, of Winnie. So it's, it's interesting also to see that memory inside the ANC being contested. You know, the, the, I think the challenge for, for the ANC is exactly that. I remember being in banking in 2004. Many people complain that you can't do business in this country if you're black unless you have struggle credentials. You must be able to say, I was in exile in this particular place, or I was in, in prison or in Robben Island. If you don't have those kind of Robben Island struggle credentials, you're nobody. Now, an interesting comment that was made by Dr. Rampela just, you know, when she was forming a hang and had a long chat with her. And she said to me, you know, Luba, part of our problem as black people is that the negotiation during Kadesa and everything, were primarily led by people who were either in prison or people who had been in exile, who were essentially out of touch with, with the reality on the ground. Those of us who hadn't gone anywhere had a better sense of South Africa than those who had either been in exile or in prison. And when I listened to Winnie's documentary, because I, I heard parts of those issues, and you are starting to hear that anger where people are saying, we have a voice too, and it's about time that our voice is also heard. I mean, look across the, the, the border, Benji, and, and then, you know, the whole thing with removing Mugabe was part of almost the old brigade saying, we're the war vets, and we need to keep the running of the country within the war vets. And South Africa has largely been like that in the ANC, whether it was Mandela, it was Mbeki, it was Zuma, it's always been, you know, the guys who were either in exile or were in prison. And we are getting to, to that, to that. And I don't think all these groups necessarily see eye to eye and are in perfect harmony. And, uh, and I think we're going to see more of those, of those tensions. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. What it it also does is it, is it kind of seems to add fuel to the fire, you know, uh, very suddenly we've had this narrative coming up that uh, that group in 94 was a sellout and that they, uh, that they should have negotiated harder and uh, that, that they didn't do the right thing, etc. Uh, and, and Winnie's funeral seems to have, coming as it has done in the middle of the land debate uh, and, and having Juju there and all of these sorts of things, uh, has kind of further added to that debate about decisions made in 94 and if they were the right ones. Well, it, it's kind of the worst time for the ANC, but the, the real challenge then is actually 
not many people know what was agreed upon. You know, I've got a social media group that I manage, and people are posting and saying, Luba, what exactly was agreed to in Kodesa? Where is the actual document where we can see what was agreed upon? And I'm saying, I haven't got a clue. And I've asked some guys who are, you know, very tied up to the ANC, and everybody's scratching around and saying, no, we don't quite know. Now, I spoke before coming on air to... Um, and much younger person, like in their 20s, and they're managing a group as well in Johannesburg, and they're saying the amount of anger in people, people don't even want to talk about these issues. And, and I think that the, 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 the challenge is the ANC hasn't been transparent to say this is what we agreed upon, and, uh, and, and I think, with all fairness, they would have made some mistakes and some things that got right. But what we haven't seen, is the honesty and the transparency to say, this is what we negotiated upon, this is what we agreed. And yes, we admit, in hindsight, we, there, there were some flaws. We, we did mess up in a few places, and we can uh, and, and, and deal with those issues. You know, somebody, somebody mentioned, um, I'm trying to think where I saw this, but I read something this morning where Ramaphosa was, was, was quoted as saying, it doesn't matter if the, if, if the agreement we have is imperfect. Once we come into power, we'll have the constitution and be able to change and amend all of those issues. And people are saying, well, you're in power now. So address the shortcomings from, from 94. But I have to be honest and say, if I look at past conduct, the ANC is not very good at introspection. It's not very good at sitting and saying, you know what, we've messed up here. Let us confess to it and openly admit to it and correct it. It rather tries to, to suppress and, uh, and, and, and settle that information. So I'm not seeing that transparency something that will, that will come out. And how much, how much do you think it has to do with what you were talking about earlier with the ANC sort of colonizing, if you like, the memory space of, of the struggle? Because when you, when you read the ANC's account of, of the struggle and, or, or what it was involved in, etc., you, you get the sense that they were sort of all powerful in 1994 and then, you know, that they, 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 they project this enormous uh, amount of, uh, of power. Uh, and I think also people feel it now, you know. The country is 25 years down the line. It's changed. The people are in power are different. Uh, so, you know, as, as many problems as we have, uh, different people are in charge of different things. Our universities look different. Our corporate sector looks different. Uh, our, our public sector looks different. And so you do actually have people in charge. And they're looking back at this narrative that the ANC – You know, puts out there that they were, you know, the big ANC that brought liberation. Whereas, perhaps in actual truth, the reason that we had a negotiation like we did was because the two sides had both run out of energy, and that's why you had to negotiate and have, uh, you know, have the sort of compromises and and the constitution as we ended up with, and 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 the stories don't tally up. I think that's true. Look. I lived in Alice in the Eastern Cape. I remember my neighbor. My neighbor was a very staunch PAC supporter. Now, if I cast my mind back to my childhood, you would have found a lot more PAC support than you do today. And and, and testimony to how brutal ANC has been is the fact that the, the PAC has been reduced in parliament to literally you know, uh, having one MP and, and, and being non-existent. Mm. So the ANC has, has really commandeered that space and said, we are the ones that fought for your freedom. And, and, but, but that narrative is not true. But the ANC has managed to kind of frame it. And remember now, as we go forward with a younger generation who don't have that struggle experience, they will happily believe that. So I think that's the real danger that that, that is starting to creep in. Um, you know, can it be changed? Um, it's very difficult because the one thing that I find strange is that in South Africa, we've never really written our history. Having a chat with my daughter who was 23 the other day, she said to me, Dad, 
how come I don't know the history you know, of the Winnie Mandela, that the struggle so much. I know ancient, I know history, but the World Wars, World War One, World War Two, in Vietnam, and so forth. So the, the bizarre thing in South Africa is that we've never taken the time, government has, or at least taken the time, to really write the history, the more modern history, because that would have confronted government and, and, and called upon them to have, you know, one narrative. Right now, that narrative is kind of being pushed in all manner of directions, then where it will end up, I don't quite know. And yet the, the, and and yet the opportunities are there, though. I mean, Luba, you can go to Constitution Hill or go to the Apartheid Museum or go down to Sharpville uh, or, or check out the, you know, the what happened in, in with, with the June 16th. Like, uh, that sort of stuff has been done. Uh, do you think that maybe people are just not reading or, or maybe are just taking a very flat <laughs> view? You can do that, but, you know, the, the more visible things, it's like saying the TRC, the TRC took place, we know that, but what were the final discussions, we don't know. Mm-hmm. It's the same as we said earlier, Kodesa took place. We know there was a negotiated settlement, but what that settlement was about, we don't quite know. You know, you, and I, you, you spoke about the, about the stalemate, where the ANC gives the impression that they ground the apartheid government and army to a standstill. You know, if you ask the former National Party, they'll tell you a different picture. So the challenge is, Listening to a narrative after the event, it can be manipulated. And if you don't record it, because, you know, there's always this constant discussion, did the, did the sanctions force the negotiations and bring the country to the negotiating table? Or was you know, it MK, or was it the Soviet Union exactly. collapsing, or was it the now, fact everybody that... Everybody will you claim know? it. The MK will say, look, we're fantastic. But yeah. if, you, if you remember from history, the MK wasn't that organized. You know, yes, there were some places where they placed bombs, but in many cases, you know, the poor guys were walking around to place a bomb at Cecil, and the, and the bomb would blow them up. So the MK wasn't this slick kind of military operation, military, you know, force either. So it's something in between that everybody will claim credit afterwards. But the danger is, unless somebody accurately writes it, will be sitting around with people, you know, talking about anecdotal information that they've heard from somebody, as opposed to sitting and saying, what actually happened? You were there. What was discussed? What and in, was and in the hands of someone like Malema, he's very much a, a, he could weaponize it into something, something else. I mean, Juju has his memory, but he's fairly young. Yeah. You know, Juju is fairly young. So a lot of what you talk about will also be anecdotal. I mean, you have to ask yourself and say, when, they, when, they, when, they, when the mass democratic movement distanced apart from Winnie, how old was Juju? Yeah, exactly. You know, he must have been a kid, but somebody will be feeding him and saying, Juju raises issues. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not boring at all uh, in South Africa. And if you're a fan of history, uh, uh, certainly not boring. Uh, Liba, thank you so much for, for bringing this to us. And we'll chat to you next week. Great stuff. Keep following things. We'll talk to you. Bye.